Parker, can we stick a fork in the Orioles now? Yep. Huh? Man, you didn't even think twice of that. No. Thinking about that on the drive in here, I knew you'd ask me that right out the gate because I really know you well. And I knew you'd be wearing that shirt, too. The orange Oriole, I had no idea. <laughs> you did. You did it on purpose. I'm wearing, it. I'm wearing an orange shirt uh, in honor of the Orioles. I'm serving as their pallbearer <laughs> today. Uh, nah, it's not over yet. What do they got? 26 games left? It's close. If, yeah, if, if the it's... Jays would have swept them, if, if Mitch White would have shown up, Wow. Then, then we're looking at a five quite, and a half game lead. I don't think quite yet. See, the thing is, right now, if you look at the standings after last night's four-one Jays win, Baltimore is uh, five behind Toronto in the loss column. They're seventy-two and sixty-five. Toronto seventy-six and sixty. They're four and a half out of the wild card spot right now. Baltimore is. Uh, the Rays are a game and a half up on the wild card spot. Seattle's half a game up. So. If you look at the, the Houston and, and the Yankees and Cleveland all have their divisions right now, it's pretty clear Houston and the Yankees are going to the postseason. Now, I'm not ready. I was ready. I'm not ready anymore to give the Yankees the division title because their lead is only five games over the Rays right now. But we can, let's just for argument's sake, assume that the, that Houston and the Yankees go on to the playoffs. There really does seem to me to be just one spot for those central teams now. In other words, whoever wins the central, sure. be it uh, be it be it Cleveland, Minnesota, or Chicago. And right now, Cleveland has a two game lead over both Minnesota and Chicago. Uh, Cleveland's two games up in the uh, loss column on Minnesota, one up on Chicago. So, I I think you're right. Four and a half a is, a, is a is a big number at this mm -hmm. time of the year. And the only thing I think, the only thing that is keeping the Orioles in this right now is there's nobody between them and the Jays. It's like anything else. Once you get, you know, once you've got to hope for three or four teams losing on the same night that you win, it gets really complicated. Right now, that's not the case. That's not the case for the Orioles. That, that to me, is about the only thing keeping it going. But, I, you know, I'm with you last that, night. I, last night... I mean, you just can't say enough about Alec Manoa's start no. last night in that 4-1 win. It was, there was no drama. There was no huffing and puffing. There was no kicking around in the dirt. There was no finger pointing. There was no staring in the dugout. There wasn't, there's, there was a more, no more staring at home plate while you're, you know. He didn't need to. No, while you're, while you're rubbing up the ball. It was, it was the closest I've seen to Alec Manoa being almost a, almost a Roy Halladay-like machine. Just give me the ball, here's the pitch. Give me the ball, here's the pitch. Give me the ball, here's the pitch. It was exactly what this team needed. The Jays are now, by the way, 76 and 60, 16 sure. games over 500. That's their high watermark. Okay, let's before we dig into Manoa's night last night, let's look at the Jays' schedule. You you talked about the Orioles, and, and can we stick a fork in it? I say no. I think four and a half is. You just I, I did. Think, you no, just I stuck said, a fork in no, the Orioles. I said, I said if they would have swept and it would have been five and a half, you could stick a fork in them. You are going but I'm back say, But I'm going to say no, and I'm going to also say. Three minutes into the show, and absolutely you're, you're not. Retreating. I've never done that. I've never done that. You know and what you are? You're Brian Baker. You're, you know. Good one. Good one. And then I run and off. Gonna roll over to the and I run off and go, well, I don't know what I did. Uh, yeah, it's. Brian look, Baker. Look at their, <laughs> are you stick a fork, stick a fork, stick a fork. I'm not saying stick a fork. Are you finished? Yes. Jay's schedule. 26 games left. 20 of those 
are against teams that are above 500. They play 14 of the 26 at home, which is a big deal. They play a lot better at home, obviously, than they do on the road. They have two off days. Why I say the two off days is how you're figuring out ways because out of the 26 games, nine of those are against the Rays. You want your big boys, right? Pitching against the Rays. So with the two off days coming up, how do you figure out ways to maneuver around your rotation to where you're getting at least three of your big boys if you want to throw Ross Stripling in there, you can. And then you figure out the bullpen day for the fifth fifth guy. And maybe you don't even need a fifth guy. It depends on how it looks down the stretch the last week of the season. You know, if you can give guys rest. Mm-hmm. But the important games for me are the 14 games at home and the nine games against the Rays. The, the, the landmine to me is that doubleheader against the Rays on Tuesday. It is. That's the landmine. It is. That's, that's the game that – that's the day, I should say, that could – basically throw all your plans out of kilter. Now, if it's me, my first priority right now is, one, to ensure that Mitch White and Yusei Kikuchi don't pitch somehow. Two, and this is all kidding aside, this to me is the main one. I get that Alec Manoa is a horse. I get that there's no sign that he's wearing down. I just don't want to get fancy with Alec Manoa. I want to keep Alec. I want to keep Alec Manoa on his routine as much as possible. I want him. I, I don't want to start him. You know, give him start him a day early or anything like that. I want to give him his regular rest. Well, maybe, maybe if you can give him a little bit of blow at the end there. Again, if that final series against Baltimore doesn't mean anything in terms of either making the wild card or your wild card seeding, right? And and if it stands the way it is right now, if there's nothing to be gained from, if you had the choice between facing Tampa or facing Cleveland, you'd probably face Cleveland. So as it stands right now, if I'm the Jays, I just want to get all my ducks lined up. But to me, the most important thing is I've got to ensure, Kevin, that that Alec Manoa, whatever I have to do, whatever I have to do, Alec Manoa has to stay in his routine. He just has to. Okay, well, the next off day is not till the 19th, right? If he's starting Monday against Tampa Bay, his next start will be Saturday against Baltimore. That would be the 17th. It's the 19th day off. Mm-hmm. How do you handle him there? I give him an extra. Is that an actual day? Me? Are you skipping a day? You're backing, you're, you can back him up. Now you'd have five full days of rest. He pitched on the sixth day. Are you doing that? That's what I'm or doing. Or are you keeping him... Are you counting that as a day, and you just continue every well, fifth day? Okay, he's pitching. If, if you do that, okay, he's pitching the. He'll pitch the twelfth. Right. He'll pitch the seventeenth. One, two, three, four, five. So he pitched the twenty okay, so second against Tampa Bay, and then his next start would be one, two, three, four, five. The twenty seventh against the Yankees. So okay. he's getting ball. He's getting Tampa twice. The Yankees once. Baltimore. So it once. really. So basically, it doesn't matter what you do with the off day. He's going to face Tampa. He's going to face Tampa and the Yankees regardless, right? Whether he faces Tampa on Friday or Saturday, he he's facing Tampa. It would be just a, okay. obviously a day after. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So he's getting the Yankees once. He'll get Baltimore. Well, I'd, I'd keep him on. I'm not messing with him. I, th- I think the innings thing is okay. hogwash. So you just. How's that word? Okay. You just I've never used it. that word on this show, have I? I, I? I just did it. I, I don't think it's a big deal. And I looked up his stats today, and I'm, so I'm going to tell you this. He's seventh in ERA in baseball. He's sixth in innings pitched at 171. He's eighth in whip at .99. He's third in quality starts. You don't like wins? Let's think about quality starts. He's made 27 starts. He has 21 quality starts. 
if I just don't know anything about baseball and I'm just reading those one, two, three, four, four stats, do you think I care about how many that one where it says sixth in innings pitch? Do you think I care what that number is? I absolutely do not. So okay. that's the <clears throat> point here is like yeah, last night his velocity was good. Last night he adapted, right? He didn't have to use the slider, so he didn't because his fastball commands the best it's been in a long time. The the finish on everything he did mechanically down the slope, which is that little hill that he pitches down, the finish was good. There was not a lot of the alligator pulling it towards the first base bag where he was falling off and he would have those non-competitive two-seamers or four-seamers up and in, up and away to a lefty. The six lefties for me and his comments of, the bullpen needed a rest. Mm-hmm. That, for me, is why you saw four sliders the first four innings. Fifth inning, I think he threw seven. I think he, th- he threw 17 in total. Yep. The point is, he you could tell he felt really good, arm side away to the lefties. If they're going to beat me, this is him anyway. At least that's what I think he was thinking just by watching him pitch. If you're going to beat me, you're going to have to do it the other way. Left- I'm not going to throw us take a chance on throwing a slider, especially early in the game. Lefties. Throw a slider and get, let somebody get the head out and – Bridge you that way. So lefties he, were two for 17 with a walk. Yeah. He was, and he was 16, 21 first strike pitches. 16 for 28. What did I say? 16 for, sorry, you said 16 21. for 28. He threw four three ball counts, which is a big deal. That's why you can see him going to the eighth inning. He only had right. two, two strike hits, which is a big deal, right? It's that put away pitch that we've been talking about this late in the season. How do you get him out? Yeah. And, or is it about taking the sting out of the bat? That's why you saw him throw the nine changeups. Didn't throw it a ton, but he threw it enough for strikes that they went, ooh, what? And it was. I haven't seen that a ton. And and the double there. the double that he gave up to Rutschman he could have had Rutschman struck out had he had he gotten a gotten a break from the oh, yeah, that's the that's the <clears throat> it was uh, but it, John I thought John Schneider after the game because he was asked about uh, what the thought not what the thought process obviously the thought process was to get Jordan Romano in the game and let him finish it but of course the idea behind possibly leaving Alec Manoa out there he made an interesting comment he said had it been a shutout. That might have changed things for him. Then maybe you you're looking at you know you're possibly looking at a complete game shutout. We talk about no brainers all year. I mean, if John Snyder hadn't figured out that he has a no brainer in the ninth inning now, who's uh, you know rested, and man, when he's tunneling the slider as long as it was tunneling last night, that means it has later break to it, which means he can command it better, and it has that late sharp bite to it down and away to a to a righty and down and in to a lefty, backdoor to a left. You know, he he abuses it sometimes. But now, because that thing tunnels and he can elevate 97 to a hundo. Oh, by the way, Alec Manoa last night had six three-up, three-downs. Mm-hmm. Well, I, we, we talked about it in Blue Jays' talk. Uh, third inning, eight pitches. Fourth inning, ten pitches. And, and the, the, the thing the thing about last night that, that really stands out, his his average velocity was up. Average fastball velocity was up. But to me, it was just the efficiency. I, I, I get back to this. Just the complete lack of drama. Just set the Orioles down. Let my guys come to the plate. Well, he got through the first inning. The 19-pitch, six-batter, one-run first inning. It, it could have went off the tracks real quick. And, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons why that was is, you know, I don't want to say Vladdy was lazy. At first base, but the Mountcastle ball, you know, you should have knocked it down. Abs- I think. No, that ball should have been right in front of you. you. You shuffle off in an athletic position. You do it with some authority because you know a guy's a good hitter. He can hit the ball down the right field line. So you don't even worry about that. So your shuffle off the bag has to be better. Get in an athletic position. Stop standing straight up and down. 
Like, these games are huge. You can lose games in the first inning against teams on the road, especially like the Orioles, right? They're like the little engine that could just can't wait to rah-rah no, in college. So it's it's just little plays like that. But, look, he, he did exactly – you know, you mentioned the velocity went up a little bit, and, and Joe Siddle says this all the time. The only way you get good at something is to use it. And he was using it a lot. When you use it a lot, you get the feel of it. You get the release point. The finish is great. He's self-corrected. I mean, that's something else. And, oh, by the way, he's not using Pitchcom anymore. That's or a, he is using Pitchcom. Oh, he is using Pitchcom all the time now. It, that's a little adjustment. As many times as he's pitched around and been, you know, the 27 starts, words out, right? And any little advantage he can give himself at, oh, are they still in pitches? You know, Kirky could be doing something different. You pick that up. Take no chances. Just have Kirky put his glove over it, give you the sign. You, he didn't miss a beat. You can tell that. Like, it yeah. was just, I get it, I throw it. I get it, I throw it. You know, it's, it wasn't even like a ton of shaking off. It was more of, I'm going to glare at you until you hit the right button, and then I just throw it. So, it's just all the little adjustments that a guy that's that big, that this time of the year, that your team is basically telling you that – you are the best pitcher they have is the reason why we're trying to line you up against yeah. the Rays twice and the Orioles again and the Yankees because we want you to take us to the finish line. It's just pretty cool to They're watch treating all Treating Alec Manoa like an ace. Well, ace is a strong word. No. I, I'm not going to. No, listen to what I said. The Jays are treating him. That's what you do with your ace. They're building their rotation around Alec Manoa, about who, around who Alec Manoa is going to I can face. buy that. That's how, that's how you. I like it too. If you're a Jays fan, you're thinking now we have two options. Barrios has turned the corner. You know he could fall off the tracks. At least now you got three. You have two legit starters and one. Why is that it you that feel okay with? I'm the guy who's been in Barrios' side all along, and I'm not, and and I'm one of those people that isn't saying he's turned the corner. I think people. I I uh, hope he does. Like I said, I've had faith in him all uh, along. But man, it, it's amazing how many people. We're ready to say that that was one of the worst contracts in Blue Jays history three starts ago. Now, all of a sudden, they're convinced that everything's going to be fine. Well, it gets back to you look at contracts yearly. How does mm -hmm. he do with that in that moment? And up until the last couple of starts that he had, I just look at when he's not got his best stuff, does he give you a chance to win? He's doing that now. I wanted to uh, got to mention a couple of housekeeping items here. First of all, Teoscar Hernandez has been placed on the paternity list on paternity leave he will be back according to john schneider on saturday uh mitch white was optioned zach pop was brought up gabriel moreno was with the team because uh teoscar was sent down and um also we we might know today uh although the jays have the day off so maybe we won't know for certain until tomorrow the status of lourdes guriel jr who left the game uh, in the second inning yesterday after lunging for the bag at first base. And the Jays said he had discomfort in his left hamstring. They were sending him for imaging after the game last night for an MRI. So I presume they have the, the results by now. As I said, it's an off day today, so I don't know if there will be a media, uh, any, any sort of press release or news release on it. We may have to wait until tomorrow. But that left the Jays in a position last night, Kevin Barker, where they went with, because George Springer was DHing, the outfield was Tapia, Merrifield, and Jackie Bradley Jr. Then Bradley Zimmer came in. None of those guys are with the team at the start of spring training, although Tapia joined them. Tapia joined them mm. via a trade. So that is of note because 
Vladdy Jr. had another no-show offensively. Night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he got the single uh, in, in his last at-bat, but other than that, it's the it's the rollover. It's the swing and six, three, six, three, four, three, man. Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's, the, it's the one Oh slider that was down in his first at bat. It was really down that he swung at and he, he grounded out the shortstop. It was the one, two, four seamer in that was the ground out the shortstop. It was the OO sinker in ground out with a, with a runner on third base. I, I'm not real sure what that is. I mean, you're trying to have as much maximum contact with the baseball as yeah. you can get. That's not the pitch to do it on, especially OO. I wish I could give you an answer of the people I've talked to, I'm not sure they have an answer. Kevin, like, it's just, it just make you scratch your head a little got bit. got one on. home run in 18 games. Yeah. Man. I mean, I, it's just, I think it's where his outs are going. It looks to me like he's, he's trying to generate bat speed. Only reason I know I, that I think that's what it is is because I've tried to do it. And that's what it looked like. Like I was try I was trying to, when my front foot hit the ground, I knew that I had to have the little extra mm from my back hip to try and get the rotation that I needed because something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Now, what that something is, that's the million-dollar question. But, boy, I tell you, you know, the next 26 games, he can erase all the little ups and downs that he's had. But the only reason I say that's going to be real tough is the people that he's playing, the Rays, the Orioles, the Rays, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and Baltimore all know how to get him out. They all know how to, you know, pick at him a little, get him to chase early counts. They know in big situations that they'd rather try and let him get himself out than them actually trying to make a really good pitch. So do I expect him to have a really good 26 games? Probably not, but it would be real nice occasionally to go one for four with a three-run homer. How can I, you do? How can you do that? It's a, if you're not going to get two or three hits tonight, which is fine. It's hard to do that in baseball because of how hard these guys throw and how many right-handed pitchers he faces. But occasionally, there's going to have to be some of those moments where you know I'm not saying he's going to do this, but it's one of those where you got to choke up, you spread out, you think about getting a barrel out in front of the plate and thinking big part of the field with some backspin. How about that once in a while? So hopefully he can do that. We do have to talk about Vladdy's play at first base last night, though, on the uh, grounder from Adley Rutschman, the behind-the-back lead pass to Alec Manoa at first base. Uh, Alec Manoa said after the game, he was asked about it, and he, he referred to that Bartolo Colon play. Yeah. Uh, which the famous Bartolo Colon play down the line. This was... Uh, well, yeah, I, I asked you, because you know, I've got a guy who's played first base in the majors beside me. And I asked you, Kevin, have you seen a play like that? Have you made a play like that? And your first response was, well, no, dummy. I couldn't make a play like that because I'm left -handed. you're left-handed. So you can't mm -hmm. think about it. Um, but you've made that play flip with the glove. I have, yeah. Sideways, underhand. You know, you you maybe bobble it and a fast runner and the, and the, the pitcher's waiting on you because you don't want him to wait. So, sort of a fluid motion, right? You want to right. get him a little so he can have his momentum going across the bag because they're not very athletic. At least that's what I'm saying. When does Vladdy have to... Uh, this is an impossible question. It is not. But I'm going to ask you, when does he make the decision to flip the ball Whenever on that Alec play? Manoa runs by him 
and he has his momentum going forward. There's no way he can stop on a dime, turn, and flip it to him. So as soon as Alec Manoa, you see him, like you're coming in this way, the communication factor was really good too because you you got two giant humans trying to go after a baseball. And it hit by another fairly big human too. Well, like there's, yeah, a lot of, there's, well, a lot of, there's a lot of men that at helps that first That helps because he's not a fast runner. Right. So that, right. that helps a little bit. But the communication where you could tell that Vladdy was saying, get out of the way, I got this, go to the bag. He probably didn't say go to the bag, but he said, I got it, I got it, I got it, which was easier for him just to give all up on that and concentrate on what he has to do around the bag and catching the baseball. But as soon as your momentum is going where you're almost leaning over and you can tell that the person that you want to throw it to is already past you, there is no other way to do it. You can't, if you're, you're, a you're not going to stop oh, he's not going. He's going to be safe. There's right. no other way to do it. Like right. it's a do or die play. It's not something you're going to go and practice you're not going to do that because no, nobody in season, especially September, is going to go out there if you're a pitcher and oh, practice that. Nah, it ain't going to happen. So it's what are just, they working on at first base? Oh, the behind the back flip. Yeah, yeah. So you're not going to do any of that. So it's – I don't want to say it's a it's a hard play, but it is one of those plays where you can't overthink it. Okay. As soon as you see him go by, it just should click in your mind that this is what I need to do to get it. Because you know who's running. You know how hard the ball's hit. You know how big the person is that you want to throw it to. So you're just trying to get it above his waist to where he's not bending over a whole ton because he's a giant human, right? All those parts trying to catch it and tag the bags, not the easiest thing. So there's a lot goes into it, but don't overthink it. So everything that they had to do, they did it, and they did it without thinking about it. Perfect. Whatever thoughts we may have about above Vladdy's offense and however this this season ends for Vladdy, the fact that he is going to be in the gold glove conversation at first base, it, it, to me is, it is a, it's, it's remarkable when you think of when he came into the majors, we, not we necessarily, but a lot of people. I'm going to put myself in that camp. We all wondered whether he'd have a position, whether he might, maybe his best position was DH. And I, I just, I, I think, you know, as we watch what Flatty does at the plate, we we do have to be careful to give the guy credit for that because he he basically created a position for himself. Because don't forget, when the Jays scouted him, when Alex Anthopoulos saw him, they didn't know what to do with him either. Mm-hmm. And now Alex tells the story about, I asked him, well, where do you want to play? He said, well, I like playing third base. Alex said, okay, you're our third baseman. Yeah, for me, whenever I heard that, it was more about them not wanting to waste his arm strength, mm-hmm. putting him at first base. Mm-hmm. That's sort of why, you know, it was about because they're so smart now. All the khakis basically can tell you where to stand, where, right. you know, if you throw this pitch here, the guy's going to hit it here, go stand here. And most so of his time, arm strength is better served at third base, Absolutely. Right? So, you know, it was more about well, do you want to waste that? And, oh, by the way, how, how can you keep him on the field every single day? Yeah. you got a better chance of doing that because he's an, he's an offensive threat. Every single time he goes to play, even when he looks like this, you, you still got to make decent pitches to him. So, look, I, do I think you don't see as many plays as you saw in the first inning? Because lazy is a strong word. Mm-hmm. But you, uh, he needs to be more aggressive. Knowing who's up, knowing the magnitude of every single pitch, knowing who's on the mound and how far you want him to go in the game, how bad you don't want to fall behind. It's shuffling off. It's getting an athletic position and stop standing so, so straight up and down. 
You shouldn't have to have Louis Rivera, and I'm sure he did because I've talked to Louis a ton of times. I'm sure he walked over to him after that and said, let's be more aggressive. Let's get down there in an athletic position where you can field your position. Because most of the balls that are hit from a guy that can hit the other way, a right-hander, are going to hit. It's going to get on you, right? It's not going to be no little... Not going to be an 18 hop. Absolutely. So right. you got to get ready. You got to get yourself in an athletic position to where your glove's already there. It's easier to go from the ground up than it is to go from the up to the ground. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot less of those, and there's a lot more of the better plays, the stretching and the footwork, and you know he can play further off the the line now and protect the 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 hole between first and second his communication is better when you communicate like that jeff that means you're confident in who you are as a defender mm-hmm. if you weren't you wouldn't want the baseball no and we've seen a lot goes into that, that that's the other part of Laddie's growth and matt chapman talks about this the plays he puts on like the the creativity you see from Vladdy. and that's let's not lie the play in the first inning is after he <clears throat> hit a 47 hopper to the shortstop. Yeah, you're right. And he's been, what is he? I don't know what his numbers are. I will, uh, Yesterday going in, it was like five for his last 31. Yeah. So that's went up. So you're not hitting. And, oh, by the way, you need to come off and still play really, really, really good defense. Not mm-hmm. the easiest thing to do for a 23-year-old. Uh, we've got to talk about Alejandro Kirk. Uh, this was, or last night was the third time that he started, or I'm sorry, was the first time he started three consecutive games behind the plate, catching three consecutive games. Didn't appear to affect him at the plate at all. Uh, he was the hitting star for the Blue Jays last night. I have no idea what the hell he was doing at first base when he broke towards second. I mean, it worked out. Uh, it worked out thanks to throwing error by Adley Rutschman. And uh, that actually ended up in Bo Bichette scoring. But, Kevin, we've, we've talked about Alejandro Kirk and the workload and... We wondered about him wearing down because he is he is a heavier guy. What is it about because I think with Kirk it's his swing that allows him to do well offensively even when he's got this heavy workload on him, right? Because he does seem to keep the bag. Pat Tabler talked about it. He does seem to keep the bat in the zone a long time. I, I like to give the organization credit. He's sort of like Jordan Romano. You may, we've had this conversation about Jordan Romano early in the season, and you've said, come on this show, how do I take Jordan serious yeah. when he doesn't pitch all the time? <laughs> well, they're sort of doing the same thing with Kirky. They want the best Kirky more often in September and in October than they would early in the season, right? You you figure out ways to give him a couple of days off, don't catch him three days in a row, DH are, him a couple of days in a row if you have to give him two days off Are you surprised that he's doing this offensively not at really. this point in the I'm year? I'm more surprised that he looks as good as he does behind the plate. Okay. That, that's what I – I just think his receiving's much better. I think the communication between him and an umpire is much better. You can tell whenever an umpire – misses a call, he's sort of getting a little bit better at, you can even see he'll he'll flip his mask up and he'll be saying something. Saw last night, right? The He'll say, the, like, he'll leave his mask on when the conversation's a little bit more serious. Which is good. Oh, you learn that, yeah. right? It's like, it's like whenever you're hitting and a, and a guy makes a bad call on you, you don't look at him. You don't even look up where people can read your lips. You keep your head down. And you talk to have the conversation that way. It's sort of a respect factor for that guy. Hopefully you get the, the better call next time. So I think the 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 catching is a little bit more of a surprise. I think his throwing's got a much much better. I think the same page with him and Alec Manoa is a big deal. It's not the easiest thing to go from pitch calm to the fingers, back to the 
pitch comp back to like there's a lot going on there and and they know how much Alec means to this team and where he's going to go offensively I think he's connected I think every move that he makes from the ground up has a purpose does and a lot size, of guys does are not his like size that. help him it doesn't hurt regard? it doesn't hurt now size you're I talking mean his about height short, I'm, t- yeah, yeah, I'm talking about his height I, does, yeah, yeah does that help him I, th- I don't think it hurts because his eyes are closer to the strike zone, I do think that matters a lot. That's why you. That's why you talk about uh, uh, O'Neill Cruz for for Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He's six seven. His eyes are so far away from the strike zone. Is how do you command the strike zone? You don't even know where it's at. It's so far away from. So it makes Aaron Judge so there you go. In- and, you intriguing know, too, when, right? When he's got fifty five homers, you're thinking unicorn because it's yeah. just he's mastered the strike zone. His strike zone. Let's his rephrase strike. that. Right. So I do think it helps a little bit. But I think every time he does something, when he lifts his heel off the ground, that moves his hands. Whenever his foot lands, it tells his hands where to separate, how much to separate, and where the barrel needs to go. That will tell you, and we've he said it out loud, that he doesn't need a hitting coach. He mm. knows that if this is doing this, that will do this, and everything will be connected. And because my barrel, because God gave me that, my barrel knows where the baseball's at and can find it, and the ball will go all over the place. So I just think, you know, sometimes guys are good hitters. He's one of those, but it doesn't hurt when you're mechanically sound and everything's in tune. It's repeatable. Talk about pitcher all the time. How can you repeat delivery? Jose Barrios, stop moving all of this stuff. Stop it here so I can get have the same release point worse. So I know where the ball's going to go, and, I, and there are not so many non-competitive pitches. Turkey's the same way. He's a really good hitter. Now, would I rather him not be hitting cleanup? Yeah, on a really good team, you'd think, you know, he'd be a perfect, like, six-hole hitter, come up with a bunch of guys on base. But yeah, on the this issue, team, he's being asked to do a lot. Yeah, and the issue is I think that, let's be clear, one of the reasons he's being asked to do that was is, is because Vladdy hasn't had a great year, and Bo is having, he's turned his year around a bit, but... That's one of the reasons that Alejandro Kirk is being asked to do that. And Teoscar Hernandez, you know, hasn't had the year that, that the Jays thought he wouldn't. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has been consistent, but there hasn't been much power. Like, uh, it, that, that it, look, they get to the playoffs. We saw last we saw last night that Alejandro Kirk on the base paths in the middle of things isn't necessarily what you want. But I'm not sure they can worry about that when it comes playoff that, time. That, Who's your best? That hitters? was my that was my point. Sure, that was my point. You may, it, it's not a perfect team. It's not a perfect lineup. We know that it doesn't have enough balance. We get all that. So you try to do, you try to you try to put your best hitters in a position where they can do maximum damage. And for me, Alejandro Kirk right now is your best hitter or one of your two best hitters. He has he has to be there. Think about this in big time games because of who your number one starter is. He's gonna be behind the go. plate. Yep, and he's probably gonna be hitting cleanup. Yep. Uh, Shai Davidi is Sportsnet's MLB insider. He joins us in a few minutes. We've got tickets to give away for the September thirteenth game against Tampa Bay. Jeff Passan joins us for his regular weekly look around baseball, and Jerry Blevins, Mets analyst. Former Mets pitcher, host of the Shea Station podcast, will join us. We're going to take a look at that National League East race, which is just going to be a corker. And uh, the the Mets, you know, I think maybe reports of their death have been a little, a little exaggerated. But uh, the Mets, well, the Mets have some issues. Yeah, a month and a half ago, we thought New York, both New York teams were mm-hmm. just, they had it all going on. 
And now it's drama after drama they're, after drama. They're the Yankees of the National League. They are the Yankees of the National League. Although I have to admit, I have a lot more faith in uh, in them than I do the Yankees right now. Even though I, I, I watched the second game, part of the second game against Minnesota last night. I know the Yankees. I mean, I'm just looking at that lineup, and I, my head wants to explode looking at that lineup. Yeah. The guys who are in there. It's remarkable. Shai Davidi's next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet 360, where my mom's watching, the Sportsnet Radio Network, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jays have today off. They will they will be enjoying an off day in Texas. Start a three game series tomorrow. I wonder where they stay in Texas. I think they stay at some sort of golf resort because the stuff around the ballpark is where the writers usually stay isn't great. Huh. You, you have, do you have to stay in five star hotels? You can't. Riders. Not five star. Marriotts generally. I always found going to Texas. Baseball players do, is my point. Oh, God, yeah. Yes. I always found going to Texas instead of staying in Arlington because I, I had a rental car anyhow. I go to Fort Worth. Mm. Fort Worth, downtown Fort Worth. It, travel travel hint. There are two places you, you want to go in Texas. I mean, Houston's not bad, actually. Two places you want to go in Texas. Austin, Fort Worth is great. Fort Worth has got an old style radio tower right downtown with the neon you know with the the sign lit up it's it's it is and god of course they got the big stockyards and everything or fort worth that's that's my my travel tip for the day if you have to cover a game in texas or you have to go and watch the jays in texas or you want to go watch the jays in texas mm -hmm. fort worth is where you need to stay let's bring in shy davidi of sportsnet do you stay in fort worth no, I've always stayed in Arlington, and I'm going to be staying in Arlington again tomorrow. It's just like a bleak area with nothing mm. around it. But I'm excited to see this new Texas Live thing that uh, around the stadium. Oh, I forgot they put that up now, so there will be life around it. It won't just be McDonald's and Circle K. Well, it's not even McDonald's and Circle K. It was literally this one, yeah, that's right. uh, this one steakhouse, which you can get totally sick of, and then you know, a few sketchy bar-type joints, which are not as entertaining as yeah, they, they would seem. Yeah, there was one place I think you could gas up, buy a handgun, <laughs> eat a burger. I mean, it was the quintessential Texas experience. <laughs> right, Anyhow. the Texas standard. Know your market. Exactly. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Um, Shai Davidi, by the way, thanks so much for joining us today. I know that uh, you will be in Texas with the uh, Jays tomorrow. Hey, how do you think the Jays handle their pitching going forward here? Uh, I know Arden talked about, you know, wanting to... I mean, I guess the, the, the talking point right now is what do you do? First of all, how do you manage the fact that you don't... You, you've got two starting pitchers that you want to stay away from, but also you, you want to maximize Alec Manoa. How do you see them playing this out? Like the bullpen game in Texas would seem to be a no-brainer. Then it gets a little complicated after that, right? Right. You know, the, how things played out in Pittsburgh is a bit of a model, I think, of what they could potentially do uh, on the Sunday there. But the one thing is that 
even though Texas is not having a great season, you still have to deal with Corey Seager, still have to deal with Marcus Simeon. Uh, they still have some bats in that lineup, whereas Pittsburgh is like, all right, you navigate uh, O'Neill Cruz and Brian Reynolds, and you're feeling pretty good about the rest of your the rest of the lineup, the rest of the order. So it's a bit more of a sticky situation. Like there are some, there's the potential that they could open it up against a reliever or two, and suddenly your whole plan goes awry. But I think the way the Blue Jays are going to handle this is they're going to try to set themselves up as optimally as they can for the Rays series and then figure everything out backwards from there. Hmm. Shai, do you think if Bo Bichette has a really, really good last month like he's having right now to the start of the month, that he could probably change the organization's mind about the offseason? Because we've heard rumblings about maybe, you know, if you go after one of those shortstops, Bo may have to move to second. Can he change their mind about that, having a good last month of the season? Well, I would say this. The, the, the organization generally doesn't overreact one way or another to samples, be it uh, to small samples, right, good and or bad. So I, I don't know that you, you see the, you know, one really good month and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're, we're all in. Like, to me... Bo has clearly showed that he's capable defensively, and there have been, you know, the occasional errors and things of that nature. But he's very clearly uh, a capable defender. When you think about how young he is, how relatively inexperienced he is, you know, he's on track to be a very strong, consistent defender in the major leagues. And you know, the offensive upside is there, and he's finding himself. He's finding his approach. He's understanding what big league pitchers are doing to him and how they're approaching to him. And, and to me, some of the some of the conversation around him has just been a little too extreme, I think. Mm-hmm. When you think about how talented a player he is and what an impactful player he is, you know, we forget. He's 24 mm-hmm. and he's still learning about himself and he got to the big league super young. I don't know. I, I just see, you know, he's on, you can compare his trajectory, you know, to a bit of a lesser extent, but he's along the lines of the type of trajectory that Corey Seager was on. Right. You know, that's your guy. And I just think that you, if you have a chance to get a superstar like that and it necessitates a move, I mean, that's just making your team better. But to me, that's not related to, to Bo Bichette. Do you think having a really good month would eliminate the trade talks with Bo? I mean, I, I'm not sure. Again, you know, I don't think that you can overemphasize one month. Sure. It's either if you don't believe in the player, then are you really going to let one month skew your point of view? Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of who it is, that's not that's not a good way to to sort of run things because there's so much randomness that occur can occur in one month. At the same time. I think you have to you look at where the player is in his development trajectory and things of that nature, and you know that one month is like an indication of what he can be on a more consistent basis, and you have to understand that you know some of what's happened to this point in the season is just the natural growing pains and just that erratic development that can occur with young players. Shy, if I told you first day of spring training 
that Alejandro Kirk would be catching three days in the row in September in the middle of a pennant race and arguably be, along with Bo Bichette, the Jays' most consistent hitter right now. Would you have bought into that? I wouldn't have expected it to be as definitive as this because I, I would have thought it was going to be a bit more of a, of a job split with Danny Jansen. I still think that that's going to be the case, mm. but his emergence offensively as the force that he's been and that to, to be the starting all-star catcher for the American League, that happened really fast. And good for him. Yeah, he's put in the work, and he... You know, people don't see this, but before games, every day, he's in there in the bullpen with Luis Hurtado. He's doing drills with his hand, bare hands to catch weighted balls to develop the wrist strength to properly frame. Hurtado is firing balls in at him to get him blocking and picking. And he, he works, he's worked hard at this. He's earned everything that he's gotten. And maybe the bats come along a bit more than we might have expected uh, or just in terms of the the type of impact he's been able to deliver but you know again he's really earned this so so good good on him full credit to him because of jose barrios's last couple of starts should i have more trust in him now i think that you should have more trust in him regardless of the, the last two starts mm. i know it's been a weird year for him but if you look at his starts and I'd broken this down a couple outings ago so this is this split isn't exactly accurate but I believe it was 13 or 14 of his starts he's allowed three runs or less and it was the vast majority of his outings he for the most part has been pretty good but when he's hit a block when he's had a bad day it's been a really bad day he hasn't had one of those starts where it's you know six innings five runs and he manages way through it and i think that's what's been a bit of the more difficult part to figure out and assess why when he blows up does he blow up the way that he does but at the same time he for the most part has given his team a chance to win and i i, I don't know i it's been it's been just a real head-scratching year he's in a sense He's mirrored the Blue Jays a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, this is better than what it is. And why is it not better than what the results are saying? If everybody in the rotation was on regular rest, so everybody was rested, game one of a playoff series, who starts it? For me, Kevin Gosman. Ooh. Okay. And, it's, and, I, and that's no disrespect to Alec Manoa, but I want the guy who with some been there done that first time around to start a series and then you follow up with Alec Manoa right after that. Yeah, it's uh I mean I would have to take a look at the matchups, but it's it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting talking point and that's why I think shy when we look back at this Orioles series, <clears throat> you know, I'm uh, four and a half games that there's still a lot of baseball to play. But it it was just, it's so important to turn that final series in Baltimore into just a tune-up so you can see what you got and maybe take a few extra days to think about it and find out who your opponent's going to be. That would be optimal. If you could find out who your opponent's going to be, if you can know things ahead of time, uh, you know, you can really go to town and setting things up and maybe even let somebody have a a tune-up if they need it in in those final three days. Yeah, 100%. You're, you're so right about those final three games. And that's what's interesting about this 
right now. You think about the former wild card format where it was just this one and done. You could probably save or line up once to have one of your, your important starters to start that game. But when you have to win two games on back-to-back days, not a lot of rest in between, if you have a handful of the games or a series that's meaningful on those final days, that absolutely removes that and you can really limp into a into a wild card series. Yep. But at the same time, just get there, and then you can figure all those other things out. And yeah, I mean, the the, the drama around that spot is going to be significant. But the other thing too is, let's say you know you go into that final series and you're fighting for you know the third to be second versus third or first versus second. At that point, how much do you risk not being set up optimally mm. for that for that uh, wild card round versus trying to jockey for position? So th- there's definitely going to be a lot of interesting stuff going on on those final days. But the more they can settle in advance, obviously, the better. Shai, we're going to let you run. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, have a safe trip to Texas and uh, enjoy the weekend. Thanks, Shai. Thanks, guys. Be well. Shai Davidi, our MLB insider with Sportsnet. And again, the Jays have today off. They open that three-game series in Texas tomorrow. You asked me when uh, we were having phone trouble with Shai what I would do with with Bo. Uh, I'm, I, I've come over to your side. I need one or two left-handed bats in this lineup next year. I'll do whatever I need to do in order to get those two left-handed bats. Now, mm. put the brakes on a couple of things. I'm not trading Vladdy, and I'm not trading Springer. But if I can address that situation by adding a left-hand hitting outfielder, all those the other guys are in play other than Springer. If I can do that by adding a switch hitting shortstop or if I can upgrade my offense by adding, I mean, Trey Turner, who the hell cares where he hits, what he hits, then I'm, then I'm moving Bo to second. And, and, and that's why... When we had Bo on yesterday, we asked him about moving down in the order and how John, because look, we know John Schneider had to sell him a bit on it. That was not, Bo, you're going to the sixth spot. Mm. Well, I mean, it was, it, mm. it, John was going to do it, but there there was, it, it was more than, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. We, I mean, I, it's, I think, I think it was, Right now, there's six guys that are better hitting than you are. Yeah, but the point is, John has said that, you know, it took two days of conversations is what he said. It was a couple, uh, we had a couple of conversations. Well, I think it was the, my, yeah. whole, my whole point is, though, that you, you've done this with Bo. Mm-hmm. I think having a guy like John Schneider here maybe allows you to do that. Where it gets interesting is if you have another manager coming in, and I can't for the life of me, you know, I don't know why John Schneider wouldn't oh, be back. Me either. But that's when it gets interesting. I think if John Schneider's here, it's a little easier to move to move Bo to second. I, and listen, and and Bo has said, like I get what he's he's turned himself into a, you know, into a major league shortstop. Sure. But he's, I'm hoping he still feels the same way about the organization that his stance of a couple of years ago of hey, if we can get. You know, Francisco Lindor in here. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, don't acquire Lindor because uh-huh. I don't want to move to second. I'm hoping he still feels that way after, you know, 
after being renewed by the team. Again, all these decisions are so much easier to make when dudes are under contract. It is. I, I just I just wonder. That's why I asked Shy the question about if, if he has a good month and they make a decent run in the playoffs, and he's a big part of that, how much harder would that make it for the organization to do what you said is to get rid of him? Now, I know sort of out of sight, out of mind. No, but I'm saying I trade him to, no, to get I, what you need. I'm saying I don't. Uh, listen, I, if if – if you want to put together a package that gives me a Shohei Otani, and and you need a guy that you can that you can you know sell your fan base on, like Bo's got star quality. Yep. You know, we talked about this with the Washington Nationals, a team like the Washington Nationals. I know the Jays weren't in in the Soto thing, but you could do worse on a young rebuilding team than have Bo Bichette as your face. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, you want to buy a dude's jersey? The hell wouldn't you buy a Bo Bichette jersey? Uh-huh. But I don't want to move him. You know, I, I don't mind shifting him over to second base, but I um, unless unless we're talking about getting Otani or somebody like that, like a just somebody that's going to completely change things. Mm. Um, I'm sticking with Bo. What have you I'm done for me lately? Second. And lately, if he rakes and they make a decent run, I know the conversation would be a little harder to sell. Just to everybody that, wow, like that guy just helped us go where we wanted to go. When say Vladdy is the one for five with the single up three runs in the ninth inning guy. Yeah. Anyhow, we shall see. But yeah, be uh, interesting. But he's turned him into a, he, he's turned himself into the tough conversation guy. Yeah. What do you do? do oh, are we okay? Can we win a World Series with him with short? Well, maybe. And we mentioned this a little bit yesterday, and I didn't want to get into it on the air because I, you know, I, I, I'm not entirely certain what it means. But Vernon Wells's agency, the agency he works for, announced that Bo Bichette had joined them huh. two days ago. Now, Bo Bichette was represented by CAA Sports. I haven't asked anybody if this is Bo is still repped by CAA and this other agency is just doing some marketing stuff for him or some, some NFTs for him. I, I I didn't get into that. I probably should have, but I had a bunch of other stuff in my uh, on my plate. Um, but yeah, it, it's it. Well, it will be an interesting off season for Bo Bichette. I w- I will put it that way. Uh, but again, the bottom line, Kevin, is Springer Guerrero. I you know I think you've got to keep Chapman as well. But I need I need more lefty hitting in here. I need two. Oh, there's no. Question. I need two everyday left hand, and I'm out. It'd be great if they were if they were all stars, but you need I need I need I need Michael Brantley and somebody else, that type of hitter, that well, type of left-handed hitter in this lineup well, the, the, to the really prob- make hay. The problem the with that is those don't grow in trees. No, and everybody else wants those too. Yes. So do do you have enough to get it? And your farm if, system if may not be as deep as everybody yeah, thinks I it mean, is to make trades, right? I mean, we could we can be honest about that. It's not yeah. like it's. It's just it's not. So yeah. you're you're trying to figure out ways to to get the best product in here you can. Jeff Passan is MLB insider with ESPN. He's some very nice things to say about a couple of young Jays players in his uh, most recent article on the website. We'll talk to him about it. Jeff Passan's next. Blue Jays tickets to give away as well. We'll talk a little New York Mets with Jerry Blevins. It's Blair and Barker on 590-360, the network, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.